Good morning. Please listen as I read. Anyone who does not love God or does not love does not know God because God is love. In this, the love of God was made manifest among us, that God sent his only son into the world so that we might live through him. In this is love, not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God abides and he in us because he has given us of his spirit. And we have seen and testified that the Father has sent his Son to be the Savior of the world. Whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God abides in him, and he in God. So we have come to know and to believe the love that God has for us. God is love, and whoever abides in love abides in God, and God abides in him. By this is love perfected with us, so that we may have confidence for the day of judgment. Because as he is, so also are we in this world. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. For fear has to do with the punishment, and whoever fears has not been perfected in love. This is the word of the Lord. Praise Hello. It's so good to be here with you. I want to make sure I don't trip over that. Um, this is, I don't know how many times I've been here uh, able to speak, I've, uh, but a number of you, some of you know me, and I, I'm starting to recognize some of you. I, uh, when, we, when we're here in Beulah, uh, we try and come here because, yeah, we came here, we fell in love with this church. We've been to many churches over the decades that we've been coming up to Beulah, and um, we fell in love with this church, the spirit uh, here is very, very special. That doesn't make you be any better than any other church. Um, and, and I remind myself of that uh, because I'm at Sojourn East in Louisville, Kentucky, which is you know, sort of one of, the, one of the early churches in the Sojourn Network. And I love it so much. And, and, but it, you know, just because there are many special things about that church doesn't make us any better, but we're fortunate, you know, we're thankful, and I'm thankful to, to have found y'all uh, about, about 10 years ago, and, and uh, what, what y'all are doing here, uh, I think is so special. So I'm happy to be a part of it, you know, once a year, and uh, share with you things that are going on um, that I think, you know, I, I, I would like to share. I, um, as Dave introduced, I'm a professor of Christian psychology. What a strange thing. Christianity and psychology, most people think that they're, not most, but there are many Christians feel that they're like opposed to each other. And, you know, the way psychology is done in our day, they are uh, in the sense that uh, at the core, secular psychology has the self at the center. And Christianity has Jesus at the center of its psychology. But the thing is, is that psychology belongs to God. He, he's the one that created us. He knows our nature and, and what we need. He knows what, what Christian counseling is supposed to look like. So um, what I do, what I've done for most of my career is to try and figure out what, what does a Christian psychology look like? What does Christian counseling look like if Christ is at the center of it? And that is going to be reflected in the sermon today. I can't help being, you know, sort of a, a counselor-type person when I'm speaking. 
Um, and and the, the reason that I wanted to underscore that is because this, this I, don't, I, I don't think it's that different from what you folks do here, honestly. That's one reason I love this place so much. But what I will do is I'll, I want to invite you to participate in what I'm doing. Not, not, not publicly by answering questions, although that sometimes works, actually. But uh, in the sense that I'm going to invite you to, to open up and, 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 and maybe talk to the Lord or, or receive from Him something. And I, and I think all worship is about that, and we were invited to do that many times already. But I just want to be explicit about that. Um, what we're trying to do, we, we all know, if we've been Christians for very long, we know a lot of good stuff in our, in our heads, in our minds. And that's great. We need that, you know. Um, I'm trying to figure out how this works. Um, gee, that's not going to work. There we go. It just started working. No, sorry. There we go. Uh, so we know so much if we've been Christians for very long in our minds and our, in our heads. The challenge of the Christian life is to take that into our hearts and live it out. And, and you know how hard that is. You know how far short we fall of God and the perfection of Jesus. And, and yet God loves us, and, and that's what today is about. Um, and, and so the, the challenge that we're going to be working on today is, is how do we open up to stuff we already know in our heads, Okay. That's, that's what we'll be doing. Well, I want to open up with a few questions. How was your last birthday? How'd it go? Was it pretty special? Or was it just a regular day of the week? If it was special, what made it special? What sticks out as you think about that? Maybe you don't even remember. Um, birthdays, what's that about? What are we doing when we celebrate birthdays? Well, I'm going to return to the subject of birthdays in a bit, but really what we're going to be talking about today is love. You know, the most important virtue of, of the Christian life. It's what drives all of Christianity. And it's hard to get clear, I think, about love in our day. I, it's always been hard, I suppose, but it's especially hard because our culture is so mixed up about love. What is love? You know, it, it's, it's a romantic feeling. It's having sex. There's a, you know, those are probably the predominant ways that our culture thinks about, about love. Though, you know, there, I think there are, there are some parts of our culture that get it better than others. But the Christian tradition has always been interested in love. It's pretty important in the Bible, right? And some of the leading Christians throughout the centuries have thought a lot about love. Bernard of Clairvaux is a really important person. Augustine. Um, Jonathan Edwards wrote a whole series of sermons, preached them about charity and its fruits. And out of that, 
Christianity's come up with a, what, I, what I would call a model of love, a threefold model of love. Love, according to Christianity, has three features. Love delights in the other person, according to Christianity, Christian teaching over the centuries. Love wants to get to know the other person better. Love wants to get to know the other person better. And love seeks the good of the other person. And I want us to, to talk about the first feature of love. We won't have time to do all three, but I want us to talk about the first feature of love to try and give some definition, some clarity about love. We talk about it, we think about it, it we know how important it is, but what, what is it? And I find this model to be so amazing, so helpful to try and flesh out what it means to love someone. So, love is delighting in someone. And what does it, what does it mean to delight in someone? That's such a strong word, isn't it? It almost takes my breath away sometimes when I think about it. Delighting, wow. It means you really enjoy the other person. At the very least, it means I'm glad you exist. I'm glad you're here. I'm glad you're in my life. I'm glad to know you. It makes me happy to be with you. All of that would be delighting in, in someone. So, why do we celebrate birthdays? Well, what we're basically saying is it's good that you're here. It's good that you were born and that you're still with us. We're glad you're here. And it, it, and it provides a day, uh, some kind of celebration that, that, that looks at this person, that where, where those that are there say, you're important to me. I value you. I delight in you. So how was your last birthday? I'm just wanting to see if there's anything up there. Okay, for some reason. Um, let me ask again. How was your last birthday? Did you feel like anyone cared that you existed? That's a painful question sometimes. Some of us maybe don't have a support system around us, and birthdays can be really painful and lonely, and I want to acknowledge that. Part of what I want to do in a, in a time like this together is to just be honest that 
we, 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 we don't have it all together. Some of us come from pretty challenging backgrounds and, and, and we didn't have that kind of a delight in us when growing up and, and it, it wounded us. It, it's something that we still carry. We know that God loves us, but, but maybe we're not feeling it. And that's important for us to be honest about that. God knows the whole story, right? He, he understands. Even though, you know, about your last birthday, because even if, even if no human being cares, it's not trivial to, to, to realize, to own, that God cares. He's glad you're here. He's glad you had that last birthday. He cares very much that we exist. He created us, right? He created you. So even if no one else does, we need to know that God cares that we're here, that, that, that he cares about us. One of the signs that I know I'm in good company is that fingerprint out front and on, the, on some of the stuff on the, on the screen. Because Sojourn... Travers, has made that message a part of the, the DNA of the church. You matter, right? And, and why are they telling these stories? Have, because your story matters. Not everybody's going to have a chance to, to have their story told, but it matters. And, and, and that's really why we're here. But delighting in someone obviously means more than, than caring that they exist. So delighting in, in someone has three parts, I, I think. I mean, There's one way of, 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 of structuring our time together, some of our thoughts. Love looks for the good in the other person. It, it looks for the good in the other person. You've got to have something to delight in. And it's looking for that. Secondly, it appreciates that good. And then thirdly, love often will communicate that. Happy birthday to... You know, that's one way, one small way that that gets communicated. But, but and there's a thousand ways that we can communicate. You have good. I see it. I value that in you. Let me tell you what I just saw or what I think about you. So to, to help us understand this in some detail, I want to break this down in a number of different ways, look at it from a number of different ways. And, uh, you know, Christian, one, one way that, that I think I already alluded to it, one way that Christianity is, is different from modern secularism is who's at the center of the system, you know? Who's at the center? In, in our culture, the self is the center. The self calls the rules, unless, they, unless we're breaking the law. Our, our culture says the self can decide their values, their beliefs, and so on. And, and in Christianity, God is the center, right? And, 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 and that's because he is the center. He's, the, he's infinite. He's and he created us for him, and, and, and we find our fulfillment in him. So if we're going to talk about love as delight, then we need to, to think about God first. 
And so the fact is, and theologians have wrestled with this, there's nothing original in what I'm saying, I'm just relaying things that I've read over the years. The persons of the Trinity delight in each other, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. They love each other. They delight in each other. How do we know that? Well, that great passage we read today, wow, wasn't that a great passage? Said, told us God is love. How, how is God love? Whether, you know, we could imagine, you know, a single God without persons being a God of love, but it's even easier to imagine that God is love as three-personed God, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. And God underscored this point in, in the life of Christ in particular. Jesus prayed in John 17, Father, I desire that my disciples may see my glory that you have given me because you loved me before the foundation of the world. Jesus Christ, the Son of God, at least we could say, he became Jesus Christ when he became a human being, but the Son of God is eternal. And, and Father, Son, Holy Spirit were in love for all of eternity, long before they created us, created this world. And so Jesus makes reference to that. And then in John 14, Jesus says, I do as the Father has commanded me so that the world may know I love the Father. He loved me from before the foundation of the world, but I love the Father. That's, that's, that's the best part of my life, I think he's saying there. There's this love between each other. And, and then, remember, there were a couple of times when the Father actually sort of was bragging on the Son in a way. At, the at Jesus' baptism. This is my beloved son. The people around heard a voice coming from heaven. This is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. And then later in, in Jesus' ministry at the transfiguration, you remember that very important moment in Jesus' history where his glory was manifested to a few of the disciples in a special way, and he met with Moses and Elijah, and, and they heard a, 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 again the Father saying, this is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. Hear him. Well, what does it mean to be well pleased? This is my Son that I delight in. I delight in my Son. Now, the Bible focuses our attention on the Father and the Son and their love relationship more than, than the role of the Spirit. The Spirit is said to be a spirit of love, a spirit of communion. And, 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 and theologians have wrestled, well, the, 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 apparently the focus is on the Son, on the Son of God. And the Spirit's role is to help us see that, magnify that, be filled with love for the Son like the Father has. That's the way that the Trinity set it up. The Father, in particular, set things up. And so the Spirit, we need the Spirit to help us enter into their love, the love of the Trinity. Why do they tell us about this? And why do they delight in each other the way that they do? Well, one of the characteristics of a perfectly 
good God is to delight in what is good. That's what good, goodness does. Goodness delights in other goodness. It's happy with other goodness. And the, the, the members of the Trinity have no bigger goodness to celebrate than one another. And so somehow, it's kind of hard to get our minds around it, but somehow for all eternity, God, Father, Son, Holy Spirit celebrate each other, loving each other, delighting in the goodness of the other. That's God, our God. They have to love each other the best, better than they love this place or any of us because we're not infinitely good. Does that make sense? But somehow, mysteriously, they live in utter delight in one another. So take just a moment and just spend a little time reflecting on that, a little more on your own, maybe asking God for help, maybe thanking Him for this revelation. Well, let's move on because we want to follow their example. Part two of our time together is we're also to love the triune God, this, this God who's revealed himself to us by entering into their delight in one another. Entering into that. They, sh they, they want to share it with us. That's why they gave us the Holy Spirit inside us. And they want us to enter into it, participate in it, love God too. So we're going to think for a moment about God a little bit. So much to talk about. We'll be spending infinity, never exhausting God in his beauty, his goodness. But this is sort of a little time to think about the beauty of God, the glory of God. And one way of, of kind of summarizing it is, is that God is sovereign majesty. He is the greatest being that we can imagine. He's greater than anything we can imagine. He's, he's infinitely present throughout the universe and beyond because the universe fits within him somehow. He knows all things. He's infinitely powerful. He's ruling all the stars and causing them to burn in the way that they do in far-off places in the universe, and he's keeping you alive right now. Your heart is beating because he's holding all things together by the word of his power. This God is sovereign majesty. He's the king. He's the ruler of all things. Delight in him. Delight in that. You know this king. You know him. He's also perfectly righteous and good and holy and pure. There's no darkness in him at all. 
He's pure light. So he's the guarantee that that everything that happens, even all the evil that happens in this world, will be addressed ultimately. Nobody gets away with anything in in, in his moral universe that he rules. But fortunately, he's so just and he... He's he's made a way for for us broken sinners to to enter into His love in spite of our sin. But we all know the story of how how He did that. He he said, I'll take that penalty for their sin because there has to be justice. There has to be justice in the universe. And I love them, so I will take it. But that proves His justice. And he's also loving and compassionate. And that's what was the motive that led him to to address our sin and, and, and evil and take it upon himself, the penalty for that. He's kind. This, this, this God, our God, in spite of the fact that he's sovereign majesty and rules all things, he's also Jesus who came, he, he manifested himself as a human being and, and said, come and learn of me. I'm gentle and lowly. How is that possible? This is the most beautiful God imaginable. Yes, he's the king of the universe, but he's not proud and arrogant. He doesn't hold it over us like, like some tyrant. No, he's really beautiful. He's really good. And he wants to bring more of his goodness into you. He wants to share his goodness, his love with you. So let's spend a little time thinking about how God brings all this beauty together. He's sovereign majesty, king. He's righteous and pure and holy. And he's loving and kind and gentle. Let's Let's take a few moments, close your eyes, and let's delight in him. Just tell him what we're thinking. Well, part three of our time this morning is that the triune God also delights in his goodness in the creation. How do we know that? I think some of you know, right? In fact, didn't Pastor Matt just preach about this? He, he looked over the creation after he had made it. It is good. It is very good. He was delighting in his creation. It might be uh, important to mention that when he did that, he, he wasn't discovering something that surprised him, but he was acknowledging what he had done, his goodness that was in the creation, his wisdom, his power. It is good. But this also means that he delights in us, in all human beings in some sense. 
Now, this is complicated because we also know that because he's just, he can't delight in sin. If he did delight in sin, he would be an evil God and not a good God. So, so he's opposed to sin. Sin is worthy of his judgment and his punishment, as we've already spoken of. It's against his will, and it justifiably makes him angry. It's against his glory, his nature. That's the most important reason, but it's also against us. It's against our good, and he doesn't like that. So we have to remind ourselves of that fact. But that doesn't, that truth, God is infinitely glorious and great and beyond our understanding. That part of God, that aspect of God, that, that justice of God does not cancel out his delight in his goodness, in his creation, in you, his delight in you. And this is, this work gets harder for us to, to grasp and to wrestle with. But God especially delights in his children, in those who believe that Christ died on the cross for their sins and has taken away all their sin and shame and guilt on the cross. And, and now we, we participate in his salvation day by day, trusting him seeking to surrender our lives day by day by day. Not just the first day that we were saved, thank God for that first day, but, but, but his children are those who continue to follow him and love him. And I don't understand much about the Bible. It's beyond my understanding, but the Bible teaches that. We don't have to worry because we're in, we're in Jesus. Paul wrote... In love, God predestined us for adoption to become His children to Himself as children through Jesus Christ. Because of Jesus, we are, his, we are God's children according to the purpose of His will, to the praise of His glorious grace with which He has blessed us in the Beloved. You ever hear that phrase? He's talking about Jesus, Paul the Apostle is talking about Jesus. He says, we, God has blessed us because we're in the Beloved. Who? The Beloved Son. See, the Father loves the Son, and we're in Him. If, we be, if we've given our lives to Christ, then we're in Christ now. God has established us there. And so now, Paul, a little later, Paul uh, in Colossians 3.12, he, he addresses the Colossians, Christians there, and he says, Holy and beloved. That's you. You are holy in Christ. You're set apart. You're in Him. You're holier than you think you are. <laughs> because in Christ, you're holy. You're perfectly holy. And you are perfectly beloved. As much as Jesus. I don't understand that. Makes no sense to me. But, that, but Jesus taught us that in John 14. So, what all this means is God delights in you. He knows all the goodness that He's given you, that makes you you, different from anybody else on the planet. 
anybody else, different than anybody else who ever lived, is you. And he knows the goodness that he's embedded in you. And he values that goodness. And so he values you. And he wants to communicate his delight to you. Remember I said love is identifying the good, valuing it, and then often communicating that. And he's, in a way, that's what the gospel is. He wants to communicate that to you. But how can that be? How can that be? I want you to be honest with yourself right now and the Lord. And do you have questions about that as, I raise, as I've been talking about this stuff? Like, do you go, wait a minute, I'm not that good. There's not that much goodness in me. You're not so terrific. You make mistakes. You're not perfectly kind, thoughtful, or loving of others. In fact, sometimes you're selfish, right? You know what I'm talking about. Sometimes you're mean to people. Sometimes you can say things that actually make them cry. Have you ever made someone cry with something that you said? If you're married, you probably have. If you have parents, you probably have. Now, there's differences in the human race, and some of us have known more love than others. But all of us fall short of Jesus. So we have to ask ourselves, if we're going to be honest, how can God delight in me? That's such a strong word. I know he loves me. But you see, when you think about it like, but he delights in me? How can this be? Well, keep in mind, it's because you're in the Son. You're in his beloved Son. And he's, this salvation thing has made it possible without qualification for him to delight in you, just as you are. You are in the beloved son in whom he is well pleased. Every day he wipes away your sin and your shame and your guilt and he looks at you and he says, you are my beloved child in whom I am well pleased. How, how can I understand that? Some of you might have come in today really, really on the edge of feeling like a failure or feeling like you, you're, you're messed up as a parent or a spouse, whatever. So we have to think through this carefully if we're going to grow into it and not just live in our heads. In our hearts, I don't feel lovable. But in my head, oh yeah, I know I'm lovable. Okay, I get, God loves me. I'll sing about it. But down here, not feeling it. And we're never going to feel it completely until we get to heaven, but but God wants to share his delight with us now, some, at least some, some of the time. So, you know, I, th I, was, I think probably some, are, some might even, some might be theologically uncomfortable with where I'm going right now because aren't we supposed to delight in God? What, what, what's this about delighting, you know, God delighting in us, what, what, focusing on that? That's, that does maybe make sense to some, but I hope it's clear how, just how God-centered this discussion has been so far. I think we're on safe territory theologically. But another part I want to open up a little bit more is just how unworthy we feel 
some of us more than others. And, and we have to address this because we have to make some sense of it. Because it's true that he doesn't like our sin. He doesn't like it. But he loves us. He delights in us. So somehow, you know, God's omniscient, right? He, he, he knows everything. And somehow he's able to separate out our goodness, what makes us uniquely his creature made in the image of God. He's able to, to separate out you from your sin. And he can do it. And we have to figure out how to do that too. How to differentiate our sin, our brokenness, our fallenness, the things that, that cause us to, to hurt people and, and um, suffer the way that we do. All, all of that. We have to separate that from what we're talking about is he's delighting in his goodness in you that makes you you. You know what I'm talking about, right? So, Let's think through what this means that he delights in you. First and foremost, I think we have to say, he's delighting in Christ in us, the hope of glory, our hope of glory. He's delighting in Christ's perfect righteousness, which he sees in you. He's the one that planted it there, and he can see you as perfectly righteous as Jesus. It's been given to you. That's who you are ultimately. That's your new self. He can see that, and he can take the sin and shame and guilt and throw that into hell as he did 2,000 years ago. It's gone in, in that deep sense that we're talking about today. And he also sees all the good that he's formed in you that makes you you uniquely, because all of us are in Christ, thank God, but if we're believers, but, but we're also unique I'm Eric Johnson, and there's nobody in this room that is like me, nobody in this room that's like you. Your body is your body. You being a male or a female, that's you. Your physical abilities in sports or mechanical abilities, your beauty. Some of you have beauty that God gave you your intellectual abilities, your social skills, your job skills, the reason you've done well at work, the quality of your work. Think of the ways you love your family. If you have a family, or you know, everybody has a family in some sense, how, how you sacrifice for them. Some of you are very sacrificial your hard work, your perseverance, your thoughtfulness, your faith, your spirituality, all of this is who you are, you see? I know you're not perfect. He knows you're not perfect. Only Jesus is perfect. But you are perfect in Christ. So would you take, take a moment and look at this goodness that he's given you? These gifts of God's goodness are you. They define you. They help to explain why he delights in you in a unique way, unlike anyone else. Thank him for it. And then, receive it. Receive his delight in you. All of this goodness comes from God. 
And so receive it. And let him say to you today, I'm glad you're here. I'm glad I made you. You're utterly unique. There is no one like you. I know that's a fact, he says, because I created you. You're irreplaceable, and I love you. Right now, I delight in you just the way you are. And lastly, based on God's love of us, we're also to love and delight in one another. Love reminds us that love looks for the good in the other. It appreciates that good and it often communicates that good to another. It's easier to love some people more than others, right? And, and for time's sake, we're going to just go, I want you to think of somebody that you have a hard time loving. It's in your life. Could be a relative, family member. Oh my, could be a spouse, difficult child. Could be a coworker, a neighbor. Close your eyes, please. And... Think about their good. Try and find some good there. It's not easy. You may have mixed feelings. You should have mixed feelings. If they've mistreated you, if they've been mean to you, you should have mixed feelings. We need to take the, 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 the sense of, of anger and sorrow when people mistreat us to the Lord. We do need to address that honestly, but, but right now I'm asking you to try and find the good in that person. And open up to appreciating that goodness. Open up as best you can to appreciating that goodness. Because it's the key in learning how to love our neighbor. And the fact is, sometimes the hardest people to love are those we live with or we're related to. But this, this is a little exercise that we can do in our devotions before we go out into the world. To receive his love first, celebrate his, who he is, receive his love, and then maybe spend a few minutes reflecting on someone's goodness. We're having trouble loving. Appreciating that. And then maybe try and communicate it to them today this day, this week, in some way, passing it on. Well, my seven-year-old grandson once asked his mom after a birthday party, why can't we have birthdays more often? It's a good question. Why can't we celebrate people more often? You know, it, we're finite, we're limited. You know, we can't have a birthday for you every day, sorry. You know. But God, there's a deep sense in which 
God, because he's infinite, every morning you wake up, he's wanting to remind you, he's wanting you to enter into, I'm glad I made you. You're perfect in Christ. Would you rest in my love today and do what you can to communicate my love to others? If any of you have any questions about anything I've said today, I'd be very happy to talk with you between services. But we're going to have the Lord's Supper in a moment, and this is a time when you get to take the Lord's Supper, and He can communicate to you, this is for you. This is for you individually, right? And so the way that we do it here is when you're ready, we invite you to come down the middle aisle and, and to one of the servers on either side and then go back on the side aisle. There's going to be some prayers on the screen, I think, maybe. Um, and uh, these prayers are to, to help you pray. If you don't know the Lord, we're asking you to, to find Him, to find this love that we've talked about today before you take the Lord's Supper. And then once you do, you're invited into this love fest we call the Lord's Supper. So, servers, please come and let's pray. Oh, Lord God, how great you are. How great you are. Thank you, thank you for the revelation of your love in Christ. And we pray, help all of us more in the next few minutes and then more later today and throughout this week to to enter into your delight in us so that we can be more like you in our love of you and in our love of one another. We pray this in your name. Amen.